0: Thanks so much for listening into today's episode, guys. Today I'll be talking with Roman Brady, CEO and founder of AirLocker. Now, AirLocker's a pretty unique concept. They're a high-altitude training gym, and you'll find yourself working harder than usual in this world-first unique experience. We discussed Roman's upbringing in the Central West from a place called Dubbo, where emotions weren't shown too often with his family and in his country town, the unconscious Effects of words that people say in front or to younger people in their upbringing. Starting your own business and planning your fight back after difficult times. We also touch on Roman's past struggles with mental health after football, how he felt like he lost part of his identity, his business success in the past and why he decided to create Airlocker and why it's more than just money. Lastly, we talk about commercial passion a concept of having both passion in something with the payoff. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for joining in today, Roman. Before we jump in,
1: who are you and what do you do? Well, Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My name is Roman. I am the CEO and founder of AirLocker Training, Passionate person. Uh, I love my health and wellness. Love business. Love life. We've got two kids, two young kids. Little boy Noah, he's eight. Uh, daughter Moana, five. Beautiful wife Carmen. Right now, it's her birthday. So shout out to Carmi. Happy, Happy birthday! birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, grew up in Dubbo, which is uh, in in our country, New South Wales. Um, the dream as a kid was to play uh, professional football. So I went to boarding school. Um, Australian schoolboy, and um, out of school, I hurt my knee. So I had a couple of ACL reconstructions as, as a 19-year-old. That, that, that ended the career, unfortunately. Uh, from that time, uh, was it was hard for me, to be honest. I went through a bit of a dark time trying to re-figure out what, what it was I wanted to do. I, uh, I had a crack at uni, but I think I had more fun than, than I did study. So that didn't work out for me as a 20-year-old. As a Entered the workforce, didn't really connect with anything in my early 20s. Met my wife calm and, and she was really that rock that kind of, she was doing good things. So she was always consistent. Uh, she was doing her uni and, and I think just watching her do her thing and being consistent inspired me to get back involved with something. So I reconnected with my football roots and started coaching. Put myself through TAFE, uh, a business degree, and I ended up doing my MBA. Got involved with a, a job in the mining industry, and um, just worked my way from there. And um, started my own business when I was 28 in in uh, civil. Had a mining industry, had a mining business by the time I was 30, and a trucking business by the time I was 31, and they went really well. And then three years later, I always loved training. I always loved um, health and wellness. Always was around it. And uh, I wanted to, to create a product or a, a business in that space. So I started looking at, at different models, different ways of training, different, different types of things that I think that people would be attracted to. Um, I fell on altitude and I understood and I educated myself on what it was and how it operated and, and the benefit that it had for people. And I felt that was a great magnet and um and when i say magnet i thought that it would attract a large number of people if i could get the model right that um you know i could inspire the world with it so we started a company called airlocker training uh early last year we launched our first site in august last year and um since that time we have franchised the business uh we've got eight locations that would have been operational by now, was it not for COVID? But uh, it's just another obstacle that our team has, has recognized and worked through and we're very excited that things are starting to come back to normality and we'll see those, those eight sites operational by uh, before Christmas, well before Christmas, and we'll hopefully build out from that point. So there's, there's a long answer. Love it,
0: <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know if I told you, I'm from Orange.
1: I went to boarding school in Orange, okay. Yeah,
0: or perfect uh there you go
1: the last person
0: i had on last week the guy who was uh, doing working head of partnerships in Shopify, he's from bathurst too so central west central they all west represent
1: <laughs> we, we, where our energies our energies find each other that's it absolutely
0: oh that's great now before we dive into any more business i want to talk about so especially now in covid19 isolation, i found this as a time for me personally to really reflect on my life, but a lot of people might have not been, and it might've been a bad time for a lot of people with their mental health. Can you dive in a little bit more about your own mental health story and how you overcame those
1: issues? For me, where I grew up, uh, I grew up in really modest kind of surroundings. You know, we, we, we grew up with, with not much. My mother and father were hard workers. They used to work all the time so that's all they knew work with their hands and weren't really they knew education was, was, was big, but my father was a very strong male dominant figure in my life. Never really showed his emotions, uh, unless they were anger. And, and my mother was, you know, she was, she was not short of a hug, but, you know, she, she was, uh, like I said, she was just a worker. So when I grew up, we didn't really talk about our feelings or we didn't really you know, develop the ability to talk about that. My, my brother, my brother was, was, he was born gay um, and he was born in a, in a rural town and with a strong father. So he kind of hid his identity for many years. At 12, age 12, got involved with drugs and, and the wrong crowd and, and kind of went into the system. I was, I was the youngest of four kids so so then my sisters, they moved out of home by the time they were 14. So that was kind of like how I, bought, I was brought up. What really saved me was my football because uh, I was good at it and it was what my dad wanted me to be or what, what he wanted in a son. So I kind of had a, an easier upbringing than them, I suppose. And as a result, I had opportunities to get outside of that environment. And, you know, I mentioned I went to boarding school at Kinross, which is probably singly one of the best things that ever happened to me because I met some unbelievable mentors that would talk about your feelings, you know, encourage you to to talk about these types of things. And as a young boy, I was always ego-driven. I was always, you know, driven by status, you know, football, you know, this type of kind of imagery you get of football players, you know. And when it all got taken away from me, I didn't know who I was. And I, and I felt like I didn't have too much of a worth at that stage. So, you know, you start to act inward. It gets really dark. You don't really know who you are anymore. So you want to run away from reality. So for me, I went through a really tough time with mental illness when I was 20, but I acted out, you know, Uh, party, alcohol, drugs, these types of things um, for a period of two or three years. But eventually, having great influences around me and talking about my issues, and like I mentioned before, my wife in particular, I was able to recollect who I was as a human being, what really was important and not trying to live up to this blueprint I had for myself once of this this football star that was going to you know the kick the winning goal and world cups and so I realized that just being a good person was enough and then from that point you can rebuild so the reason I take you back to that time I guess where I came from is having gone through all that and breaking through it all came down to one simple one simple realization that if I was a good person and I was good to other people and I worked hard, that's enough. And I had the people that I loved around me, that's all I need. So I realized really early in life that I want everything in the world. Don't get me wrong. I want, yeah, you know, I would love to have really nice things materialistically, but I don't actually need them. I, I, I honestly feel I don't need them. All I need is, is my health. So I kind of realized that when I was 24. So to make myself really happy, I I wanted to achieve things. So doing my MBA was a really proud achievement, but it took a lot of hard work. But it was doing the hard work that was making me extremely satisfied because rather than getting the MBA, I never really thought of that. That was a goal, but doing the work made me happy every day. So I I was always, grateful for you know, the air I breathe and things like that. And, and again, I, I was really aware of what I needed, but doing things that were making myself proud and achieving little things, little goals, it just all added to your mental health, which is what I said before, you only need your health. So I think through COVID, and, and there's been many, many different uh, challenges i faced in my, you know, my life, as everyone has, but I always go back to that, what's important. When things get dark, could be financial issues you might go through. It Could be business. Could be relationship break, breakups. You know, for other people. It could be whatever. A parking fine. It could be anything. If you go back to what's important, and you try to be grateful for what you have, not for what you want, it kind of just takes a lot of darkness off you, and then from that point, get on with it. Just keep moving forward, and just tackle whatever what if scenarios are thrown at you. So a lot of us would agree that in life, you just can't predict what's gonna to happen to you sometimes. Sometimes something comes out of left field and smashes you. But you can always plan your fight backs. You know, you can always you can always control how you think about that process or you know, it's a choice how you make how you feel about certain things that happen to you. And I think that's the best way to to attack this COVID situation for people is to realize that if it takes everything away from you, it's not because you're a bad person. It's just because these things happen, but look after yourself, look after your mental health, look after your, you, know, your well-being. reach out to people you love, talk about it and plan your fight back, you know, and, and that gives you a sense of control and, you know, understand that you don't need things for people to think that you're a good person. You just need to be a good person and keep working and don't give up. And uh, that, that, that's what I would say to people going through a tough time during COVID. Just think about what's important.
0: That's uh, beautiful too, thank you for sharing that because it can be such a hard thing to be vulnerable and I, I really connected when you talked about you know, your upbringing and not expressing yourself because myself as well, I've, it's taken me a long time to now um, actually be able to tell people I love them, yep. which is a huge thing and I think it's a huge thing for guys especially, yep. um, especially if you're from a country town you like the most common phrase i remember growing up was go drink some concrete and you know harden <laughs> yes. up like everyone knows that like it's funny but like it, those little comments can program uh males young males especially to think and act in a particular way that you know s- stops them from actually being able to have that full like emotional control over their way that they express themselves so it's cool that you touched on that i really and, appreciate that
1: and like you said Little things that you said when you are younger, you mentioned before that you've been doing a little bit of reflection in this time. And you know, it's such a key, that that would be one of the biggest secrets. It's a very simple thing to do, but if you could reflect daily or weekly, it honestly, in my opinion, in my opinion and in my experience, it's one of the most powerful rituals you can do to bring you to a happier state. Because that comment, that you heard as a kid growing up, you know, harden up, you know, go, go have a can of concrete. Little things like that that may have affected you when you were younger, sometimes you, they stay with you and you don't even know that they're staying, that's that really deep, deep-seated issues you may have. So then as an adult, you react based on these fears that you have that are hidden, having the ability to reflect and, and, you know, kind of assess your reactions and your emotions around things that happen on a daily basis. And then you ask your question, what, you know, why do I feel about that that way? Or why do I react this way? And then you, you generally go back to a, a time, if you do reflection, well, to when you're a kid. Oh, well, I was said, you know, maybe that's where it comes from. And then if you can un- unravel that, you can start to really take a lot of this weight that you've been holding onto for so many years without even you knowing it, you can start to learn about yourself and why you tick the way you do and then you can start to make the change you need to then to pass through that. And I think that's an important, important tool or ritual that everyone should definitely do is, is, is reflection. And, and that's maybe what, like you said before, that's probably where you get a lot of this stuff when you're older. Because none of us can really, when you're a kid, Your environment, what's said to you or what's not said to you or uh, what's done to you, what's not done to you, you can't control that, you know what I mean? Because you're an innocent little kid. So everyone's gonna be different because everyone's got a different story or a different experience, different upbringing, which when they're older, they're gonna think about things a different way because of that and they don't know that sometimes. So it's a good message for everyone to understand that people are all different, so we just gotta give them a chance and rather than be judgmental, we should take the time to get to know them because sometimes it's just a communication barrier because we've got different perceptions on things. And that's what's good about talking about yourself and, and, and opening up and it encourages other people to do the same. And I think you'd probably agree, mate, that you know, probably 10 years ago, things were a lot different now. A lot more people are more aware of it now and want, want to embrace it more.
0: And Absolutely. I think it's,
1: right, it's definitely the right movement. The, the biggest
0: thing I've noticed is, yeah, definitely in the last few years, the difference, even going to, uh, you know, going, me going back home to see my mother, um, huge difference in, like, the town. Like, yeah. people act differently. got I've, like, if you asked me to, like, name someone I knew who right. actually talked about their own feelings and were vulnerable, like, a few years ago, I wouldn't be able to name any but now, as we get older, I've noticed a lot more people that I used to hang out with being more vulnerable. And it's yeah. such a nice thing, like it's cool to see because you, it's unheard of yeah. if this was years ago. Let's ta- jump into a bit of um, business-wise and your own environment. So obviously getting yourself into the right environment is gonna help you at sell at your own business. What environment did you not have to have and how did that influence you in creating your businesses that you have created to now?
1: There's a saying that you're the sum total of your five closest friends. You ever heard that before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I think you've, you've got to be in the right environment uh, because especially if you're competitive, if you're in the right environment, a healthy environment that's, you know, people are excelling. You, you generally you push yourself, you know. You, you um, you, you're gonna you're gonna push yourself to um, learn learn more, be more open minded. Um, so so it's really important to be in the right environment. I think that's a great thing to be sports and it's something I'm really grateful for. you when you're in sports, you've got such a just different variety of people that are around you, and a lot of them are successful. You know, a lot of them are passionate about what they do. And they're great mentors. And I've, I've just been very lucky that being in sports circles, I've been around people that have done some great things and I've always looked up to them in awe and asked a lot of questions. You know, and, and then just from that, then you've just got to put your, put your heart and soul into you know, educating yourself. You've got to always be open, willing to ask questions. And then incrementally you learn and learn and learn and you'll make mistakes, you'll try things and you know, you'll learn from your experiences. I suppose my environment allowed me to, to educate myself on how certain things work, and especially with business, um, you know, starting a business, how to register your business, um, how to set up your account, ways to do your tax, marketing, you know, expenses versus revenue, things like really simple business things. And then you just got to take an idea and you've got to, you know, put it into these models and, and off you go you know, and have a crack at it. And that don't always work out, but you hope by the 10th time, one of them or the hundredth time. One of them works.
0: Absolutely. What do you think was the biggest learning curve you had to make when um, pursuing your own business?
1: It was hard. It was when I went, my first business I started, funnily enough, was a catering business with my father and we just went at it and had no advice around us. And, there was no real plan, but one thing I learned about that experience was I built a business thinking everyone would love what I loved, and we and my dad was the same we all just we we loved what we were doing, and we were a catering business, so it was you know it was um, it was food in the food business we just thought everyone would love it because we loved it, but none of us went out to the market and tested it or asked it or you know we just thought the biggest lesson I learned from from my first crack at business, was you can't stay in your own head. You know, you've gotta be, got be connected with the people that will receive your product. And that takes some time and energy and some work. Uh, and a lot of people that I see in business, they come up with an idea that they think's great and they stay there. They'll over-capitalize in that idea. You know, they might put money into systems and, and, and people and marketing. But really, what you should do is you should just take that idea, set it up with the minimal, if zero dollars, if you can, throw it out to the market, and just see how it goes. And and, and then that's really what you need to do is get feedback. And then so that's probably one of the things I learned from business is that everything I do in business now, I'm always really engaged with people receiving the product or the service, and um, you know I listen and ask questions. And and I think if you want to start business and get into business, that's the most key, one of the most key elements is to, is to create value for the people receiving your product. And the only way you're gonna know that is if you engage with the people receiving that product. So focus a lot on that, It'd be the first thing. And the other thing by being in business, I've realized is every business is pretty much the same. So if you get three things right, and understand three things. Probably first of all, understand three things. Your finances. You've got to understand your finances, like your unit costs, what it costs to make a unit or every minute of the day that you're operating. You've got to understand that cost intimately. And you've got to put in processes every month or every week to, to understand those costs. And then from that point, you can make decisions. And that's really what accounting is. You know, you, you've got to, if you don't have that skill set, you've got to have support around you. Cause you've got to understand your unit costs as a primal and especially early days in startup. You, you can't fake the costs. Like you can't come up with forecasted figures. You've got to go out and test it. You've got to, you've got to do the work. Uh, I'm not saying don't take risk and just have a crack at it, but you've got to do the work. You can't make numbers up. So once you're intimate with those unit costs, the second stage for me is, is you've got to work on your brand. So your brand is everything. Once you get your brand right, it sells itself. So your brand really is your culture. You know, it's really pe- what people say about your product or service is essentially what your brand is coming through. And and once you get that right, people will know your brand for something. We've got some great examples of of good brands in the world, and you've just got to work at that every day. And um, that comes down to marketing. It comes down to culture. It comes down to your values. It comes down to 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 everything. Um, that you bring and your team brings into that business. You've just got to make sure that, that when people talk about your brand, it's got to align with what you want that brand to stand for. And if there's misalignment, you've got to have, I guess the ability enough to make the change, which could be human resources. It could be your own strategy, could be your marketing, but you've got to you've got to make sure that what you want and what your customers are saying is aligned, and that's not an easy feat. <laughs> but you, you've got to do that every day. And then the last one is is you know so, you know rich man poor man and 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 other things that I've read. You, you've got to get the right people on the bus, and you've got to have the courage and and I guess the respect to to remove people that probably aren't you know pushing in the right way to you and People are everything. People are everything. If you get the right people that are engaged, that are pushing the right story and with the right values, you know, human beings are so amazing. As a business owner, if you understand the value of a human being, what they can achieve, like let's let's look in the world right now. Have a look at some of the unbelievable things that humans do every day. Just take heed of that. So if you can ignite the right people their their potential is limitless. So you gotta get the right team and then you gotta feed them the right, you gotta motivate them and they gotta feel like they're a part of it. And if you can get that right, doesn't matter if you're selling burgers or if you're doing gyms. If you get those three things right, any business will be successful. So I've kinda learned they're the three things that I always look at in any business. and, And then obviously just be really, really, really connected with people receiving our product.
0: That's perfect. And they're good models. They're simple and effective. Yeah. And sometimes I think most people getting into business overcomplicate everything. They look at creating a logo in, in a month and then connecting with people in a day. Yeah. So yeah. there's no real mission or value that they're giving to people. It is that like, I guess, self-righteous, this is what I think's good and yeah. this is what I think's going to work and everyone's wrong if they don't think it's going to work.
1: Yeah. And I think if, um, people are kind of, um, understand the the value of, of getting that balance, right. You know, they should advise, you know, people that, that aren't really, um, focusing their time on what they should be. You know, we should, that's our obligation to say, look, the logo, the name, you know, that's fine, but you've got to get out there and you've got to meet people. you have got to engage with people. You've got to connect with people, you know, and, and, um, yeah, that's our obligation to kind of put people in the right direction, I think. But yeah, you are right, mate. Um, not, a, not everyone has got the answers and I definitely am still learning, always will be. But uh, always happy for advice. If anyone's <laughs> listening and they've got any advice for me, definitely reach out. I'll take uh, it all.
0: I think you're doing pretty well so far. I think the most impactful thing is what I think is really cool is your story. Whenever yeah. we tell a story, our story projects our mission and your story is pretty clear. So let's dive into your story a little bit more into uh, this uh, new business venture All oh, not so new, year, a year or so new.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, look, the story behind this is um, I've always done business um, and, and I suppose I'm lucky I've had a pretty, I've, I've had a pretty good run at business. Um, I started my, my first business, which wasn't great, uh, which was the catering one. That didn't work out. But the second one I started, which I called CNM Logistics, which was my named after my wife is Carmen, my, my son Noah, and my, my daughter Milana. So CNM Logistics was on the back of an idea I had um, that I didn't know much about. Like I literally didn't know anything about trucks or transport, but I, I had heard something and seen an opportunity that I felt that would work and I tried it and it just went off, it just took off. So, you know, I was really lucky and grateful for that. But from, but I always bought to anything I did, but a lot of passion, always a lot of passion. That then went into a mining company, that went into a recycling kind of business. Yeah, you know, by five years in, I'd had all these different businesses going really well and didn't really feel this level of satisfaction you think you would, and that's why I think Really, back in the start of this this journey with airlocker. I really wanted. I, I didn't feel like I was having the influence or the the impact on the world that I wanted to, and on, on people that I wanted to. I remember as a kid, I always seen, um, I always looked up to my idols playing footy, and you know, I used to see uh, a couple of footy players come back to Dubbo and Orange, and you know, go to schools and give back, and you know, do community work and charity work, and I always thought that was just such a great thing to do. And I always wanted to give back and use my profile to give back. And so maybe it was always in me as a kid and I felt like doing what I was doing, I couldn't give back as much as I'd like to, 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 to everyone. So I don't really talk to people in mining or civil or transport, but I wasn't really engaging with enough people, you know, that I always thought I wanted to. So I looked at setting up, I looked at getting into this health and wellness space as a bit of an opportunity to create a platform I likened it to a magnet before at the start of the podcast, but I just wanted to attract enough people to something. Cause I felt like my story, I felt like my message is what the world needed here. And I knew that I had a lot of people around me that were saying the same thing. Like even you, Chris, you, you're, you're saying the same thing. You want the same impact on the world. And I felt that, you know, if I could, I felt that that was a really good industry to get involved with, to be able to have that impact. So Whatever that was at that stage, it wasn't altitude. It actually was, um, we had another name for it. I had another name for it and it was based around games. We were going to do a group training, but have a theme that was going to be around a sport. So that so you might come in and do a rugby theme workout and the next day you might do a theme around Olympic sports and the next day you'll come into a theme around Uh, boxing next time you come in a theme and do a, you know, around ice skating. So that was the idea. And then I wanted to build that out and then bring that into schools. So school sport could go in there and, you know, so we get the kids in and, but um, like I said, I landed on altitude and it became much more than just performance with altitude because what altitude does at a cell level, it actually has health benefits for, People from children all the way to the very elderly, and there's different ways you can move inside altitude and use altitude. So then, the more I I learn about that, and then what really blew my head off is when you know the Nobel Prize for medicine went to the, the guys for altitude um, research and how it you know helps cancer and anemia. And I, I just thought, wow, this is this is unbelievable, and no one was doing it. And so when you when you kinda wanna pave a way forward, like it's typical of me wanna do things different. I thought, all right, well this gives us a point of difference. And if I could get what happens in the space right and the model right, and also the commercials right, is one hell of a magnet. So that started in November 2018. And then from that point, we wanted to get something started. Like I mentioned to you before, just get something minimalistic, get it on the paddock and just see what happens. You know, no real big grandiose ideas, except for like, a, a, you know, that, that trust the process, hold the vision. So we kind of knew where we wanted to go. Like we always had this big, big dream of, of, of impacting the world, but let's just focus on the process first. The first step is just to get something opened and to see how it worked, And we opened up, but then the challenges were, were commercially because it was too expensive. Like no one would really, you wouldn't be able to scale this as a franchise model because out to create altitude was quite expensive. And I had a big, um, I had a feeling that it couldn't be on a small room. It had to be a whole gym. So I was just lucky and I, I suppose I was lucky that I had a background in mining. Now, altitude is just basically low oxygen. That's what it is. So you're simulating a low oxygen environment within a room. And when you're in mining, you, you can't have oxygen underground because it's combustible and you can't have fires. So we used to fill up our mining tyres all the time with, with nitrogen air. So the same concept of filling a mine, mining tyre, in my head, was, should be the same concept of creating an altitude room. And when you look at the price difference between creating an altitude room and a compressor and a, and, and a system that creates a nitrogen tire, I just couldn't stack it up. So I think I asked the right questions. i got a team of engineers to pair up with the current guys that were doing it. And we come up with a model um, and come up with a, a unit that was 300% cheaper and more effective. So that was pretty cool. And so we're like, oh, I think we've got it here. So we, we, we set up the biggest altitude commercial gym in the world, in Newcastle, and off it went. And people people initially didn't really like what we did in the space, but we just listened to everyone and we created a model that people people were saying, oh, we should do X, Y, Z. You know, this is members and, and, and trainers. So we did it. We, we tried it. And then probably three to four months into it, everyone started loving it because it had more flow to it. And here I am was just using everyone's ideas to create this, this model that ended up being like we do neural lights in there. So we've got reaction drills in there. We play games in there, which kind of went back to the first journey. You know, the first thing, you know, we've got cardio, we've got heavy lifting in there we're strength. We've got, it's everything that happens in there, but it somehow makes sense. And uh, we do a meditation at the end of each session, which was a really nice touch. And then everyone just raved about it. And you know, overnight we just exploded. Kind of three months it was a struggle, and then the the three months after that, it just went to a point you couldn't book into classes. It was packed out all the time, and it was a place to be. So every mistake you could have made in a business, we made it here, but we got it right now. I think we got it right now. So when we franchised it out, all our partners, they went have to go through that same learning process. So,
0: yeah, and, and,
1: and what I'm so excited about now is that I, I honestly believe we've got a, a great product that, one, for a partner or a franchisee, it's going to be a great business for them. It's changed their lives. It, it, it's, it's a product that they can be proud of, a business that they can be proud of, that they'll make real change to people's lives. And there's nothing better than that. You know, as a human being to be able to impact someone's life for the better. So I know as a franchise it's going to be great. And I know, and I know as a product from a member, it's just one hell of a workout. It's and it's for everyone. It's for the elderly. We've got we've got people up to 84 years old in here. We've got kids as young as 13. And then we've got everyone in between. We've got the professional athletes that come in and do specialized training in here. We've got, you know, medical um, um, you know physiotherapists physicians come in in the middle of the day and do rehab and it might be someone that's just out of out of routine and wants to come back and, and get back involved with sports they come and see our clinicians in here and they do their their treatment during the day we've got group training that hugs it so you got a, a health and allied business that's hugged with a group training and there's nothing like it on the market so and it and started it started with like not that at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. It started with with the vision and the purpose and the passion behind it, just to be a platform to make the world a better place. And um, you know, we just with that kind of vision, whatever was important at the time, we did it. We introduced it, but because it was here, we we had the opportunity to just kind of add to it. Yeah. So that that's the story behind AirLocker. Yeah, I'm really grateful as well that. You know, I've, I've paired up with my business partners, Mark Hughes. So Mark Hughes, uh, ex-NRL player. After his career, he, he, he unfortunately got brain cancer, high-grade brain cancer. You know, and, and um, whilst he was there on his, uh, you know, in the hospital, he, he and his wife, rather than dwell on it, they said, you know what, we're going to use this as an opportunity to start a foundation, the Mark Hughes Foundation. And they raised over $80 million for brain cancer in seven years. And and Mark every year does a, a trek as a sign to those people suffering from brain cancer that, you know, you can have these types of diseases, but it doesn't stop your life and you can still conquer other challenges. So he, he puts himself and a group of people that raise money for the for the foundation, 20 or so. They'll go on and take Everest or, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. And last year he did Mount Kilimanjaro and he started working out at Airlocker because we'd just opened and he was preparing to go to Mount Killy and loved the product and Love the passion and what we were for. And, you know, he's now my business partner. So having someone like that, who is just all about living your best life and every second counts, because we spoke about it before, you can get smashed by things that's out of control, but you can't control that, but you can control your fight back. That's what that guy stands for, you know, and and I'm very grateful to have him on board. So you would never have thought, and people that come into the gym and then talk about the people I've met since... You know, it's, it's, even you, Chris, you know, like it's such a good thing and I'm so grateful for it. And if it grows quick or it doesn't grow quick at all, it doesn't matter to me because it's not about that and I'm not I'm not about global domination. I just want to impact and make this world a better place and I know we're already doing that. So it's such a fulfilling journey we're on and, yeah, where it goes, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting.
0: It's Amazing too. Like I've got goosebumps just listening to you like can just – it's, it's nice to feel like because you just feel the passion and you feel it so real. And yeah. I think it's really inspiring to, especially for you to have someone like that on your team that, you know, you're creating your nice little environment for yourself where you can continue to inspire more and you, you know, you're seeing these cool results from people, especially like someone who's 84 years old. That's yeah. crazy.
1: Yes. Yeah, she, she's best. She, she's the best um, shout out to you Nine. Um <laughs> you know, and, and she's the best. She, she, uh, she, uh, let me tell you something phenomenal about her. I've got a million of these stories, but she believes she does. She doesn't believe in the aging process. She thinks that, and this is a cool takeaway. She thinks that we all, are, we all come into this life thinking that we have 80 to a hundred years you know we all we all but one thing's one thing's guaranteed is death and taxes right she thinks that if your mentality thinks that well hold on i could live to 200 300 the mindset is telling the body well you can't just fade away on me because my mindset's saying that i can live to xyz so then what she says to me is she tries to not only think that way, but live her life that way. So who says an 80 year old doesn't go back to uni and do architecture. So she, she's, she's doing an architecture degree right now, just because she's trying to live as if she's got this life left. she goes to the gym every day. She, she got a youthfulness in her. She's got a cheeky side to, her, you know, and uh, unbelievable, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. A, it's, it's an unbelievable mindset. It's,
0: I think that's the way to be though, because like, you know, if more people went into that frame of mind, I can guarantee you that more people would live longer and they'd enjoy their life more.
1: I agree. I just think it's a, it's a great mindset. Mm. I think it's a great mindset and look at things differently. Like don't go with the norm, you know, don't go with the norm if, if um, just because our whole society goes that way doesn't mean she has to. Like, Absolutely. I love that. I love it's, that. I think it's great.
0: It's super cool too because I think that's the biggest thing. And like, sounds like super inspiring lady too because like, oh, the best.
1: If, the best. She's the best. She's unbelievable. I, I think love, that's I the,
0: the biggest thing though. Like, the biggest change is too many people follow this normality, but there's no such thing as normality because everyone has a different perspective.
1: I agree. I agree. And, And uh, for anyone that's listening, just always think big, you know, think different. Yeah. Don't, don't be ashamed to think different.
0: Absolutely. Love that. Now it's been really cool to hear like, you know, some of your takeaways from growing up uh, your business ventures to where you are now and the impact that you're making for people listening in who might be starting their own business. What is the first thing they need to do, just the number one priority? You've listed your three things before, but what what's the first thing they need to do to kind of get their, get a structure in place?
1: It starts with I guess a pen and paper, or a thought process, then get a pen and paper and draw it out. What is the product? Who's buying it? How much it costs to make or deliver? What would they buy it for? Are there examples? you know it depends on what business you're doing. If, if you're doing something that's already been done, like similar, have a look at it, assess it, get the information, and then remodel it against what your idea is. And then go ask a lot of people, not just your friends. You know, try. I Always try to get something out on the paddock or I try to get a business before it's a business and just try to sell it to a friends group or to a group and just see what they think. I don't even go to a point where I'm thinking about incorporating you know, and to the point where I've, you know, I'll give you a live example. I'm looking at a business right now. It's just an idea and it's got to do with like food. So, and packaging and, and really the, the selling point is the packaging, right? So what I'll do next month is I'll do it and I'll sell it to a group of people. I'll give it to them and then I'll see who would sign up on a subscription-based deal, which is kind of like how I want to sell it. And if in my little group, I might spend 600 bucks on packaging plus the food I'll create myself. So maybe a couple grand, if it works, if people love it, and then the feedback's good, I'll look at it then. Do you know what I mean? But that's generally what I'll do first is just play around. But if you want to get into a business that costs a little bit of money, you know, with, so people can either get that service or feel that product you really just got to do your homework and, and try to look at other businesses around you that are similar if it's completely new if it's a tech business or, or something like that as much as it could be a drain in cash and without knowing what to do it's it comes down to are you passionate about it do you believe in it have you got enough advice and people around you and then and then you've also got yeah, look, look, it's a hard one to answer because there's so many different businesses. But for me, I would try to replicate something similar to it on the least amount of dollars as possible and just see if it works first. Minimal viable product, that, that, that would be my first step. And that's before I engage with advisors or spend any money on lawyers or incorporating company websites, logos, it wouldn't even have a name, you know, I'm not even thinking about it. I just want to see if that product or that service is something that people like. If I can't, if I've got to spend a substantial amount of money to get it to that point, like I did with Airlocker, it comes back down to if you can take on that risk because it was a big risk for me. This couldn't, this may not, not have worked out. And I, I would have been, you know, in a bit of a hole, you know, to be honest. So, but I was so passionate about it because I, I had, I'd kind of assessed, you know, their 45 model, the Orange Theory model, the Anytime Fitness model, just how people's behavior was around health and wellness. I I went on the, um, uh, I got a guy at Deloitte to give me some information on what people were spending on health and wellness and and, and from a franchising business what people are willing to pay for a business that makes X amount of money. So I did do, I did my homework. The only thing that wasn't out there was an altitude gym the way I was doing it. But people like group training, the numbers suggested that people would pay X amount of dollars for group training. Um, Franchises were selling for X amount. So I made my model that was landed. It was just the fact that what I did was different. So I backed myself on that. But the numbers suggested that if I created what I thought I could and people loved altitude, that would go. So I suppose the first step is just to assess it you know as much as you can and if you can create the product or service just throw it out there and see what happens
0: that's good though i think that's the best kind of advice too because i think people jump at something too quick and they they name it and it's like finding a lost puppy you don't know if you're going to keep that lost puppy yet you've got to figure out if you like the lost puppy like <laughs> that's the best way i can describe it like don't name yeah. it because that creates attachment find out what it's worth
1: is yeah that's a good one actually like that's a good point you made. like everything you do in life try not to be overly too attached to the outcome you know in in, wed yourself to the process if it doesn't work out you know just give yourself a tap on the back that you did the work you learn something from it but um that's that's a good lesson too yeah and people attach themselves to the outcome if they don't get the outcome they want they feel like they've done something wrong and it's not about that it's just about having a crack it's about doing your best and and then hopefully one day it lands for you. But the other thing I will say about our business is the way I looked at business in the past and why I think it wasn't fulfilled. It didn't fulfill me is because sometimes in life, it'd be cool that every, if everyone in this world got all the money they ever wanted because it would be interesting to see how they'd feel after it. And sometimes... You don't feel the way you think you would feel. But when you're doing something that's worth something to you in terms of feel fulfilled and happy and it doesn't have a monetary value, you know which one you pick every day of the week. And I think that's what airlocker was for me. It's commercial passion. And sometimes you do passion, a passion job, but it doesn't have a payoff and that burns you in other areas. So you've got to find that commercial passion is what I call it. Something that's commercial, commercializes for you, but something you're passionate about. Sometimes you do things for commercials only, some things you do passion only, and they pay off. But you've got to find one that does both. And, um, you know, that's what I, why I'm extremely grateful for AirLocker because it's got that both those elements.
0: That's the best thing ever. I've not heard of commercial passion, and I'm going to quote <laughs> that. Well, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, that's really you know,
1: great. Commercial passion, that's <laughs> the best the pursuit of commercial passion. I love it,
0: that's great. That's got more answers than follow your passion. So I love that, so mm-hmm. it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, if people wanna reach out to you, um, where can they find you on your social media if they just wanna ask you a question or they just wanna connect?
1: Yeah, well I'm on LinkedIn, so Roman Brady on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on there. i happy to help anyone on our social media, Airlocker Training. And on Facebook, Airlocker Training, happy to talk to anyone or come through your channels, Chris. It's, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope people get something from it.
0: I'm sure they will. I've gotten a lot from it as well. So I'd just like to say thanks so much for your time. And I'm excited to see um, how far Airlock is going to go because I can see it. Like, it's the, the biggest thing. I can see it expanding not only in Australia, but, you know, outside as well, not for the pure fact of, like, the convenience of see, of it, but yep. the fact that you're actually passionate about it. That's
1: no. what I love. Oh, thanks, mate, for those. well. And I agree. I agree with you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's definitely exciting. And I just want to say thank you to you too, Chris, for inviting me on. I've had a great chat. Um, love what you do as well. And, and mate, all the best to you. And, and, um, and, and hopefully we keep both kicking goals, mate.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time, Raymond. Thanks so much for listening into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed that and got some value out of it. Again, if you did enjoy this episode and you do love this podcast, leave us a review, share it with your friends and family, subscribe, show your support, because the impact that we can make together is the impact that's going to help change someone's life, change their perspective, or help them overcome an obstacle they may be facing right now. Thanks so much for listening in, guys, and until next time.